Tonight on the Animal House Radio Show, we have a very special guest coming to you live from Music City, USA. That's right, Nashville. We have singer-songwriter Dave Barnes, who is Nashville's best-kept secret, but it is no secret. He's been doing his thing for two decades, and the secret is out. We got him here tonight, live, right here, right now, on the Animal House Radio Show. Stations are tuned in to five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, 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 one. We have ignition. Strap in. You're about to listen to the Animal House. You're nothing but an animal. Your mother's an animal. Do you fool? You're an animal. Keep the change, you filthy animal. They're animals anyway, so let them move their souls. by the hosts, callers, and guests are not those of Hamilton Radio, Armed Forces Radio, Raw Talk Online, 102DLG Radio Orlando, QStarFM.com, or Animal House Radio. Some of the material broadcast on Animal House Radio may not be suitable for listeners under the age of 18. Listener discretion is advised. Where are you calling from? Nashville. You know what? Uh, Nashville has always been on my bucket list. I hear it's such a fantastic place, and uh, more so over the past like decade, it's just really uh, emerged. Yeah, it's exploded. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. If you saw the numbers of what's happening here, it's just craziness. You know, and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us tonight. You know, the show is aired live on American Forces Network. So uh, right now, me and you are sort of entertaining the troops. And uh, last night I did a show. uh, I did an interview with Stephanie Quayle. And I tell you, she is a trip without the luggage. I had so much fun speaking with her. That is so funny. That's hysterical. I love that. Yeah. And then I I got to see one of her things that she does at the house. It's called Hey Y'all Inside the Barn. I don't know if you've seen any of her videos. She does live videos from her barn. It, like her desk is like made of hay, and meanwhile there's animals sitting around and waiting. Like no, you know, I swear to God, you got to look it up. It's called Hey Y'all. Those of you watching on Facebook right now, we are joined live by uh, a man who is phenomenally talented. He's been in the business for over 20 years, making some really great music. Please welcome Mr. Dave Barnes. Hey hey hey. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, now now we're doing what's happening impressions, okay? <laughs> I know. I got nervous. I got nervous. It all <laughs> happened so quickly. Uh, it started to go dark, and that's the first thing that came out. You know, Dave, I don't know where to begin with you. You have such an impressive resume. Uh, you got a brand new album coming out on April 3rd called Dreaming in Electric Blue. And I've been listening to some of the tracks uh, all day, and I really really fell in love with be without you i really like that song oh thanks thanks a lot that means a lot you know it's crazy this is i think my 13th record um and i am just i'm i'm over the moon anytime anybody likes to do stuff because i think when you've you know done music for 20 years it's it's just so hard to get people to keep following because they love the old stuff which is a huge honor and i don't make light of that but it's always so fun when you hear somebody say hey i heard the new stuff and i like it you know, it's like, uh, it's a huge win. Yeah, you know what? I, I see that a lot, especially, you know, I grew up in the 80s, you know, 
don't get me wrong. I really, uh, country, country music really grew on me. Uh, being from New Jersey, you wouldn't think, but I had a lot of exposure to it down here. But, you know, I grew, typically I grew up, you know, heavy metal, uh, hard rock. But uh, I went down to Texas. I was actually performing in Fort Worth as, a, as a, a doing a comedy gig. And I, I was listening to B91, The Wolf, I think it is. Oh, my God. I fell in love with the music all over again. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool genre. I'm, I'm, I'm honored I get to write for a lot of those peeps, you know. It's, it's, a, it's just good people, and people still love a story. They still love, you know, the lyric. And, and so it's fun to get, still be a part of that. Yeah, you know, I saw that you've written for some like pretty big heavyweights: Tim McGraw, Marin Morris, Carrie Underwood, Reba McIntyre, and the list is as long as my rap sheet. Yeah, <laughs> which is either good or bad. I don't really know how that qualifies. It that could be a compliment, or uh, you, you know, you could be a very uh, upright citizen and it's a tiny list. So I mean, it's hard to know really how to respond to that. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, for this purposes, it's a good thing. <laughs> Okay, good, 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 good. Okay, good. I'll take it. I'll take it. But I, I noticed on this album, um, and you said that this album is a little unique in certain ways because uh, this is the first time you've done everything on that album, like written, produced. Right. Why did you wait till now to... Uh... Yeah, you know, that, that's a great question. I, I think for me, I just never wanted to be the guy. Irrelevance is my greatest fear as an artist. And I just never wanted to be someone who sort of got stuck in their own atmosphere and uh, and just sort of was like, oh, I can do this, so I'm going to do it. And instead of going, you know, there's still really talented people that can contribute to... Uh, to, um, you know, what I have to do and add a lot of really valuable outside um, perspective. Because um, I think sometimes it's really easy once you get to a certain age, I've done it for 20 years now, you kind of go, I think I've got it. And it's some, some of the worst albums I've heard, honestly, have been artists that just sort of got into that headspace. It's like, oh, I can save a little money and I'll do it myself. And you realize the value of having some outside input. So I got, I actually sat with my producer who I had worked with for almost all of my albums. And he, he was like, man, I just think it's time for you to do it. Like, you know what you're doing. You basically produced all these records we've done in the last two or three records by yourself. Like, why won't you just do it? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So, uh, and it ended up being really fun. I've got a studio in my house, so I'm able to do a lot of it, um, you know, here in my backyard in my studio. And, um, so it just felt like the right time. And, and I wrote everything by myself really fun. And, um, it was just, yeah, it felt like going out on a limb. And it, it also feels like, and we'll see how people respond to it, but it also kind of feels like, you know, if people, it resonates, then it's like a double win. It's a double loss if they don't because it's all your fault, but it's a double win if they do because <laughs> yeah. you get to take all the credit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, I hear you. When it, when it comes to doing the writing, though, do you have a certain process that you do? Or you just lock yourself in a room or you'll be at the supermarket and something will hit you? Or? You know, it's it this, you know, I've been writing songs for about 25 years now, and it's everything now. You know, it used, it kind of used to come in waves of different types of, of ways it would sort of present itself. And, and now it can be a quick idea on a jog where I'm like trying to sing and it sounds like I'm, you know, being drowned trying to sing while I'm running into my headphones, you know. Um, and then it can be, I'm in my studio working on something and something pops up. It can be, uh, I recorded a voice memo and a 
supermarket and forgot about it. And a year later, I stumbled across it and go, oh my God, that was a great idea. Um, so it kind of, you know, I think the longer you do it, it's, it's really tough to keep coming up with ideas because you've just done so much. And so I try to be a little more gracious. Like I don't, I try to stockpile a little more than I do actually write so that when I sit down, you know, I, I can go through a lot of ideas because I, you know, I think any of us that have done something for a long time, you just tend to be a lot more judicious and critical, uh, you know, because you just know more. It's not as, I'm sure with your comedy, it's like back in the day you had a million jokes you could do and now it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more picky about what, you know, you may have a great idea and go, that's, that's not as funny as I want it to be until you move on. I think songs are a lot like that where 20 years ago I would have written a lot more songs in the last couple of years with the ideas I have, but I think when you've done it this long, you kind of go, no, that's not going to flesh out. I, I'm going to skip that, you know, or, or, I'll, or I'll put that over here and, and wait till later. It's it's harder to get those lightning strike songs um, yeah. when you've been doing it as long as I have, you know, where it feels like back in the day, I, you know, half the songs I wrote, I wrote in 10 minutes because it was just everything was so, you know, new understand completely what you're saying you know for me when it comes to material sometimes it just comes pouring out if i have to sit down and write i can't do it it'll it'll just come to me at, yeah. the, at the most inopportune times and you know yep. and i'll say oh yeah i'll remember it and then i go home and i'm like i forget even though with the smartphone i think you're right you want to evolve and with material you know in the 80s it was you know set up punchline now you want it to be more not intellectual but you want it to be more yeah, yeah. sharp for you to write your own album and 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 to do it finally after so many years. I mean, if you have all these heavyweights asking you to write something for them, you must be doing something right. Yeah, it's 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 fun. I mean, you know, I think everybody. It's always an honor to me when someone that you really enjoy their music uh, wants to sing something that you've written because you know they've kind of decided. You know, when you really peel back the layers of what that decision means, it means that someone has decided to sing something you wrote, arguably for the rest of their career, if the song's really good. And so it's a big decision. So it's a huge honor, you know. Um, and you know, it's interesting because I, sort of half of my career is my artistry and me putting out records and, you know, like this record coming out uh, on the third. Um, and then the other half is writing with and for other people. And those are very different writing days because, you know, you kind of go in, you have about six hours, you're trying to write something. Somebody's got a lyric idea or a melody or this or a sort of a vague idea of something. And so those feel a lot more like, you know, you're clocking in and clocking out where when I'm writing for myself, it's a long, drawn out, you know, patient process, you know, where I may get the beginning of an idea leave it come back to it in a couple of days add a verse leave it come back in a couple of days and mess the chorus a little more you, know, you write songs with and for other people and that's very much like you're trying to have a song done by four o'clock you know what i mean yeah. so it's a very different exercise and sort of skills um you know i think it'd be sort of akin in your world to like you know when you're workshopping jokes by yourself you can sort of let them sit and marinate whereas if you're writing for a tv show you know you're kind of clocking in everybody comes in you'll talk through what that show is going to be about you start working on it, then you go home. You know, it's not sort of a lingering thing. Uh, and that's kind of how professional songwriting is. You know, it's like I can take as much time as I need to by myself and let stuff sort of fit and, and get figured out where, you know, when I'm writing with other people for them, it's more like, okay, what's your idea? Let me help you write it. And then, you know, if we need to, we'll get back to it another day. But most of the time you try to be done by the end of that day. Being that you write for yourself and your, you know, other people, is it is it like a delicate balance for you not to bleed over and to wait, you know, you're sitting here trying to come up with a, uh, some lyrics for somebody that asked you to? And you're, how do you not overlap what, like, your ideas is it is it hard or is it pretty easy because they have they they give you the blueprint of what they want and it's easier for you to work off of that right yeah yeah it's, but you know it's tricky man because like every now and then i'll realize like oh my gosh that's a melody from one of my songs or that's you know and so i have to be careful
careful that I'm not sort of like stealing things from either. But you know, th- th- that that world is pretty gracious with that stuff. Like people tend to not be too uh, precious with sort of feeling like you know if you have a part of a melody that sounds like one of yours, it's not like people are like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to sue you for a bajillion dollars. Um, you know, but, but you do have to be careful because there, I do have songs I can tell wrote them around the same time because I was either thinking about things, a certain thing, or I was kind of on a little kick on this kind of a title or this sort of a, you know, vibe for a song or something. So it is funny because I have to be careful not to double dip sometimes, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you, you know. What I like about the album, you got a chance to do a mix of different music. It's not all just one style. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, that that's, I've, I've always, I'm really fortunate. And, and one of my favorite things about my career and something I'm always so grateful for is that my very first record um, called Brother Bring the Sun, which I put out in 2005, that record was really esoteric and all over the place. And so, you know, when you, when you, when you sort of start your career with four lanes, people don't ever really expect you to go to one or two. They're always kind of like, yeah, this is what Dave does. And so we're always okay when he's got all these random songs and so I'm really thankful because I've always been able to keep my thing pretty wide like so if I have a ballad next to like a funky song next to like you know a song that's just an orchestra next to like you know a reggae song people tend to be like yeah this is kind of what he does whereas I think if the first record or two I'd put out had been sort of a one trick pony thing when you suddenly diversify people are kind of like wait this is not why I listen to you so I'm thankful that you know um, my producer and I when we did my first record he was like dude I just think if the songs are good enough we record them who cares what style it is you know and that records got everything from kind of like pseudo reggae to funk to you know like super duper me and the guitar ballad to you know like blues so so i think it was i'm really thankful in retrospect that we started that wide because you know now people don't sort of go like wait why are you doing that vibe you know what i mean um because i i, I just like so much music and it and it and it comes out in my writing you know it's, it's really hard for me to stick to one sort of thing um which it sounds like my fans really like which i'm super thankful for you know and i mean you know truthfully i think and, and i think you're probably the same you know i grew up listening to singer songwriters like that you think of elton john and billy joel stevie wonder even michael jackson james taylor like all of these artists were really diverse you know if you look right. at the catalog of their music especially Billy Joel, who to me, you know, and Paul Simon, who are kind of archetypes of this, like those guys had, you know, and even Elton John, like almost country songs next to doo-wop songs, next to rock and roll songs, next to acapella songs on records, you know? And so um, that's the music I've always loved. So I think I just sort of like um, osmotically took it on myself to be like, oh, that's what I want to do too. It's like, if I listen to an acapella song, I want to write an acapella song, I can do that. Not like, no, you got to sort of stay in this lane, you know? So I'm really right. thankful that, that that, you know, that people, my listeners, have sort of afforded me that luxury, you know. Now, you got your start. How old were you when you got started? What made you pick uh, country music as the genre that you wanted to be in? And uh, was there any other artists that influenced you early on? Yeah, you know, there was there was a lot of that. I, I grew up playing drum set, so I kind of thought that was going to be it. And then I got to college and, um, you know, really got into singer-songwriters and started playing guitar and immediately started writing songs. Like, I didn't sit in my room and learn blues scales as I was learning guitar. I literally started playing guitar and started writing songs within the first, like, few months I started playing guitar which just shows you there was some kind of natural inclination there that, that the guitar to me was sort of a utilitarian vehicle toward toward songs, which is so funny because there's no pedigree for that. Like my parents, my dad, you know, plays a couple of instruments, but there's no like songwriting, lyricism, poetic people in my family, storytellers, anything. 
And so um, it was it was interesting to see this thing just sort of burst out of me. And then I think, you know, being in Nashville, I think that's what's fun about what I do, because some of it is country, some of it's funk, some of it's R&B, some of it's singer-songwriter. And so it's fun because Nashville is a perfect place to house all those things because it does. You know, it has a huge CCM industry, huge country industry. The pop, rock, indie scene here is exploding. There's a rap scene, there's an R&B scene. And so Nashville's really fun to live in because you can actually sort of do all these genres. And there's a place for it. There's a place for people to play with you. There's a place for people to listen and really um, encourage that. And so it's fun having a career that has a home in a city like Nashville that actually supports and, and houses all those genres, you know. Um, and there's a lot of people I love, you know, I kind of like different artists for different things. Stevie Wonder to me is is probably my, he's the goat to me. I just think Stevie is the best. And so I love, you know, I got really into Stevie about the time I started writing songs. And uh, But, but you know, for as much Stevie Wonder as I listen to, I listen to a lot like David Wilcox, who's super duper guy and a guitar folk artist. And, mm-hmm the Indigo Girls and then like Bonnie Raitt and, and a guy named Mark Cohn who wrote Walking to Memphis. So it, again, it really shows in my music if you listen to it because you sort of hear that like there's this almost musical confusion, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe fusion, but I would I would add cun to the fusion. Uh, but, but um, you know, because I just like all that music. I like all of it equally. There's no, there's no sort of like I only listen to R&B or country or something. It's like if the songs are good, I'm going to love it. And I think um, all of those artists really inform sort of the trajectory of my career in a way that it was like, you know, if I, if I listen to it and I want to write a song like that, I'm just going to write a song like it i didn't i didn't try to edit my genre uh you know in my genres into what i felt like i should be doing that was gonna that was gonna work which may have you know in some ways hurt and you know because people couldn't just sort of go oh this is what he does but um i really love it because it affords me this incredible uh uh luxury like i said to to sort of write what i'm feeling which is really fun like you, you know because i have friends that get in trouble because you know they're in a genre that it's sort of like yeah we can't like they want to write a song like this album they're listening to and this artists they love but they can't because it's like they're a country artist or they're a christian artist or yeah. you know and it's really fun to sort of know that i can do that and everybody's kind of like yeah that's fine with me <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's really fun you know it's funny you said that about nashville uh as a great city never been there i'm planning on going but you gotta come uh yeah oh i'm definitely gonna I, I, it's on my bucket list believe as soon as this terribleness is over I'm, yeah um, i think that's the biggest misconception that they think it's just the grand old opry and that's it but it's a melting right. pot of so many different genres oh, yeah. and and they people you, you got to realize a place like nashville it's like las vegas you're not a tr- it's just it's not just you at you're getting people from around the world oh yeah well you know it's crazy if you think about in the last decade the people that have moved to nashville now and called home you have jack white of the white stripes you have cheryl crow dan auerbach of um of the black keys chris isaac lives actually on my street um you know you have you have all of these you know some of swv the r&b group you know live in Nashville so there's just all of this Keb Moe lives here like there's just so many types of artists that are now calling Nashville home that it it, it creates this and, and I tell you what man people come and record records here and they buy homes here because I think they get here and they realize like man there's just this super super generous kind benevolent community of artists and musicians 
that really celebrate each other. And I think it's really hard to not love being here. And and, and I heard somebody say once, and I thought this was hysterical. They said, you know, you you go to L.A. to, to sort of like play, and you move to and you move to L.A. to play and sort of like get your career started. Then you move to Nashville when you're ready to grow up. And I think that's kind of true. I see that with a lot of artists. They start families. They they kind of get to the age where they're like, you know, I kind of want to have a little more of a resemblance of a life and less like manic craziness. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and Nashville really supports that. Like, there's a lot of families, there's a lot of marriages, there's a lot of like you know people who who are on the PTA and then touring on the weekends, and so um, it, it's like a really healthy place for that. And and I think you know somebody asked me once too, like why they why I think Nashville is such a great community, and I think literally co-writing to me is at the center of that because if you are always collaborating with people for your project or theirs. You just by nature can't root against because then you're rooting against yourself. And so it builds this incredible infrastructure of community that has to sustain itself like that, you know? Right. And so it's like once you get here and get involved in it, you just kind of find yourself like you're just kind of hoorahing everybody you meet, mm-hmm. uh, which is not true with other music, you know, cities because there's a lot of competition. And, and that's not to say there isn't here because I mean, there's a lot of really incredible competition. But, you know, you can go to other cities and really feel like people don't like each other. They want to see each other fail. We're national. Well, it's just not the case. Yeah, you know, it's not like that at all. Yeah, Dave. Let me ask you what the what the this national crisis that we're facing. You know, a lot of uh, mostly everyone's schedules got turned upside down. Shows are getting canceled. You know, yeah. uh, how are you coping with this? What are you doing to? I mean, I, I I know it's a good time, you know, to catch up on stuff and write, but uh, mm-hmm. because. I'll tell you what, and I, I want to say this to you going forward that, you know, now more than ever, I think music is the thing that's going to get us through this because, um, mm-hmm. and I heard this, uh, I think I was watching a news program and they said, you know, we want everyone to get better and hopefully a, a positive will come out of this negative. But just remember the music can go places the medicine can't. Man, that's great. I think it's crazy when, you know, you, you do this for a career and yes, you, you know, I think we all as musicians and artists and songwriters, you, you do feel these moments where you're like, man, this song really matters to this person or these, this crowd of people, or, you know, you hear these stories, you get the emails or tweets or, you know, where people are saying, man, this is what your music has meant to us. But it's really humbling in seasons like this, where you can feel like the world's kind of looking at the creators and creatives and going like, Hey, we, we need you guys like this like we we enjoyed you before but i think this is a season where as a creative you really have a chance to use a gift that god has given you to genuinely to your point without sounding too heavy or or too highfalutin or or you know big-headed but to to really encourage your friends and your community and and arguably the world it's funny i've I've got an instagram feed you know that uh instagram yeah, I'm on Instagram there and, and Dave Barnes music and I post these funny videos intermittently and, and people really enjoy them and it's really fun and funny but I sort of realized that this is a great chance you know you ask like how you spend your time and I realized I was going to start putting up these funny videos once a day in the morning and this is called Quarantini Tiny Minute of, of Humor I think is what it's called and <laughs> and I just put it up I put it up every morning and it's just a minute and I do a different character and it's always ridiculous and it has just been so heartwarming to me the response is I get because people thankfully think it's funny but the thing people keep saying is like man this is giving me sanity like thank you for a chance to laugh every morning and sort of start the day with a little bit of humor before I sort of walk into the unknown and all this anxiety and you know last night I did an Instagram and Facebook live concert for an hour and it's just it's it, you know it's fun because you know people are going to be kind and they're going to say man I love the songs and thanks for playing the song but 
it's crazy in this season of where our country and the world is that the comments now are, are not just I love the music. People are saying, man, we needed this so bad. Like, my family sat in our living room, listened to you play for an hour, and you just took our minds off of all this. Or me and my wife could sit and have a glass of wine together after we put the kids down and just forget about today and, and, and tomorrow and everything we can't control moving forward. And, and it really does, that's a great question. I think it really does remind, it reminds me of the gift that I have to do this and how thankful I am that what I do uh, is so different from medicine, but in this time of our country's life, actually so similar. Um, and it puts a weight on it. You know, it's really fun to kind of feel like, okay, this is where I can really lean into what I've been given to do and hopefully, you know, really encourage people and make them smile and, and, and give them some, some bravery to head into the day, you know? Absolutely. You know, crazy because being on radio and doing stand-up, you know, they took away one venue, but at least I could still go on, on the microphone and reach people. Um, and I said, you know, I gotta, I gotta get more content. I gotta get programming up. My show is not about politics it's not about news it's it's a calgon moment two hours a week where you can forget where you are and just and, you know and, and Take me away. Yourself. Uh, you know I, I could i could probably find a better reference but we're always worried about our our men and women overseas you know are, are they okay right. but now you know if they're if you're yeah. in a, if you're in a base in Texas, you could probably get a call home. But when you're in a forward area, it's not like you can make a phone call. So yeah. now they're worried about us over here. So that's why I said I got to step up my game and and having guys like you on and Stephanie and Monday we spoke with Clint Black. I was I was doing somersaults. You know? mm. So it, oh it, man, it's he, just amazing. Yeah. It is. And I think to your point, I think it's it's crazy to be reminded of how necessary it is. You know what I mean? That that you get to make people laugh and entertain them. Um, you know, I play songs for people and tell stories and I act like an idiot. And in this little moment of my life, it means a lot different than it has before or may ever again. Yeah. And it's crazy for you and I, if you can stop your life long enough to sort of grieve the sadness of everything and the anxiety and the scariness of everything. But at the same time, take another breath to go like, you know what, this is kind of what I was made was this moment like yeah. it, it's arguable arguably my, my gifts will never mean more to people than they do right now and that's really exciting and it's a beautiful burden to kind of have to realize that we all bear in that way you know absolutely now I saw from the uh, the list you've opened up for some pretty big people Taylor Swift Bonnie Raitt did you have a personal favorite that you you felt that you you meshed well with you know but Bonnie was was one of those highlights I met her in Nashville so the story is really long I'll shorten it I, I met her at a coffee shop because I gave her a CD and, and, and it was like this is about a decade ago uh, and I and she is my absolute favorite I love Bonnie Ray with all of my heart and, and I look up there's nobody in this coffee shop she's getting a coffee with this other writer in town named Beth Nielsen Chapman and I was like dude leave her alone I'm literally talking to myself I'm like just leave her let her get her coffee well before I know it I'm walking back into the coffee shop from my station wagon my wooden uh, paneled station wagon with my CD and I walk over tap her on the arm and she's kind of like Oh, hi. And I'm literally following around as she's making a coffee. And I say, hey, I want to, um, Miss, you know, Bonnie, I'm so sorry to bother you. My name's Dave Barnes. She stopped. She turned. She said, what'd you just say? And I said, my name's Dave Barnes. Thinking like, did I do something to her? And she said, oh my gosh. She turns to the girl she's writing with, this is the guy I was telling you about. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> Ends up that, a, that we have a mutual friend who had given her my record. She loved it. So literally the conversation ends with her saying, hey, we're going to do some shows together. I've got to leave right now. I love what you're doing. I'll be in contact. And sure enough, a week later, my booking agent calls me and says, well, I don't know what you did, but Bonnie Raitt wants you to come do some shows with her. And I was like, rock and roll hoochie coo. So we, we did uh, Taste Chicago. We did a show in Michigan together. 
together. She was, she's just, I don't know her. She and Amy Grant are the two most benevolent, unbelievable people I know. Um, as far as, and she just, she could not have been a more wonderful human being. She, she sat with me and my band after both shows, like for 30 minutes, just made her tour manager, like leave her alone. So she could sit in the room with us and just chat. I mean, she was, and she's just incredible. And the crowds were incredible. Um, it was, yeah, she, she was, but man, I've been, I, I've, I've been really blessed to play with a lot of incredible people. Um, yeah. It's crazy when I actually stop to think about that over the years, you know. Where did the stand-up comedy come into play? Was that something well, that you it, wanted you know, it's to funny. do? Or? No, you know, I, I, I'm sure you have been this way, because I think anybody that does professionally has to have some history of this. But, you know, I kind of, I, I did a lot of skits and sort of improv stuff in high school. Um, always enjoyed that. Loved being on stage. Loved kind of like just going from nothing, you know. Um, and, and when I started writing and playing songs, I'd never sung, ever. I did my first show probably a year into me having sung a note. And so to calm myself down on stage, I would tell stories. I would just kind of riff. You know, I'd, 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 I will have asked a girl out that morning that said no. And so I'd talk about that and everybody would laugh. And that would kind of calm me down to start singing because singing was terrifying to me but I wanted to do it and so before I knew it I sort of had this like I had like a good probably hour worth of bits you know that just worked up over the years and so my manager and I sat down and he's like I, I I think it's time for you to do a stand-up show like just a stand-up show you have enough material so um this is about a decade ago and I said I think you'll love this said here's the deal I'll do it but book it and don't tell me when you book it because I will try to get out of it just book it nail it down and then call me and say here's the date and so sure enough it was like young Frankenstein and when he says listen I've got to go in there with Frankenstein no matter what happens don't open the door and you know he goes in there and, and Frankenstein stands up and he walks over the door and he's like let me out let me out <laughs> it was sort of like that and so I, I call my manager or my manager called me randomly about a month later he said alright here's the date it's two nights at this tiny little coffee shop in town and I was like dude I don't he's like nope it's booked <laughs> like you can't get out of it <laughs> so I, I ended up inviting 50 of my best friends to both nights um, and that kind of started this thing and then I did, a, I did a show once a year here in Nashville at a theater about four people um and then i just started taking on the road intermittently so i've probably done about 15 shows now that are just stand up and then the last tour that i did which was in 2018 um which was like a multi-city you know over a couple of seasons tour was a tour um where i did the first 45 minutes with music i, I did a uh, 15 minute intermission then 45 minutes of stand up then i did one more encore of a song and then that was the night oh, um wow. and it was really fun it was really really fun uh, the worst part, though, I'll say this was I did a show in Denver. So to kind of warm up and get the set tight, I did a, just a stand-up tour before I did that tour because I wanted to do about an hour 15 of material to get a good 45. You know how that is? Like sort of winnowing down to where you know you have like a really tight, good set. And I booked this show in Denver and they just advertised it wrong. Like they didn't advertise it as a stand-up show. So I got there. It's a sold-out club in Denver. And I walked out and I knew immediately that people were like, where's your guitar? Like I could just feel it. So I kind of made this joke about that and I just jump into the set. I do the set. Thankfully, everybody really enjoyed it. But I walked into the dressing room and they start chanting like people weren't leaving. Like they were like music. Oh, wow. And I didn't, I didn't bring a guitar. I, you know, I'd flown from Nashville by guitar. So I got so many emails and tweets after that of people who thankfully weren't like pissed, but they were just like, man, not cool. Like I love the set. I wish you to let us know. And it ended up that the venue was just like so apologetic. But uh, I mean, I had a few people that were so mad so mad yeah. um so i learned so when i did that music and comedy tour i literally called it the tour where i do stand up and sing songs tour <laughs> because i just didn't <laughs> want anybody to make any mistake 
because uh, I just gotten burned to that on that. You know what's funny though, uh, Dave? Music and comedy is not a good mixture on the same bill. It's hard because um yeah if what it depends on what you put first you got to do the comedy yep. first because they're not going to go through stand-up and then sit for music right before the um you know the the quarantines and all that stuff i did a show I me mean, i had i had right. to do a show day for 900 jehovah witnesses oh oh my god it was a horrible all they wanted to hear were knock-knock jokes oh i, I got you on that one. Oh. oh my gosh you win so Dave, we should just end it there that's too good yeah the album comes out april 3rd it's called dreaming in electric blue if people want it where can they pick it up yet yeah so the website is just davebarnes.com all of my instagram twitter all that stuff is dave barnes music and then uh uh yeah it'll be on spotify itunes uh all that stuff it'll, it'll be there to be listened to dave thanks so much i i'm sorry we went over time but i i really no carlo i love it dude thank you for having me it means a lot i know you got a date set up in, in new york in may hopefully they don't take it away but if you get to the new york new jersey area please let me know i want to come out and see you oh dude of course thanks for saying that that means a lot you gotta take care and above all dave please stay safe yeah you too thank you so much Carl. have a great night man take care